0: Good morning, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, frontline workers were the heroes of the pandemic, but a new report finds that few of them see opportunities for career growth and advancement. We'll take a closer look. Also this morning, from the historic barn tour to Oktoberfest, September is a very busy month for the Hancock Historical Museum. Sarah Sisser will tell us what's happening. Time to say farewell to summer and welcome in the fall season with September events and programs from the Hancock Park District. And in case you missed it, Hancock County Fair, President Jeff Cole and Events Manager Haley Reese give us a preview of what's new for 2022. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Tuesday, August 30th, 2022. Today is the day. Big, big news here. Today is the day. Starbucks is back with its pumpkin spice latte. I know it's what we've all been waiting for. The coffee giant's pumpkin spice latte has been a long-beloved fall drink. It's been on the menu for almost two decades, with more than $600 sold since 2003. But... But according to Google data, not all states are excited about this. According to Google Trends, I thought this was interesting. According to Google Trends, Washington, the state of Washington, that is, California and Colorado are the states that are the most excited for the pumpkin spice latte to be back on the Starbucks menu. Washington did not surprise me at all. And to be honest, California and Colorado, probably not a big surprise either. The the most, or the, the least excited or the most indifferent to the return of pumpkin spice latte, Mississippi, Maine, and Louisiana. Uh, I would guess maybe, first of all, because Mississippi is still uh, hot and muggy in August. <laughs> so... Uh, I mean it doesn't really put you in the frame of mind for pumpkin spice anything. Um so that may be the reason in Mississippi. I don't know about Maine though. I would think Maine would be excited about that. And uh, probably again Mississippi and Louisiana pretty much the same thing it's just still it's still summertime in this part of the that part of the country. Anyway, uh let's see here. Pumpkin fr- uh Pumpkin fiends also search for variations due to dietary concerns. Michigan, in particular, searches for pumpkin spice latte made with real pumpkin. Uh, Nationwide, the number one variation on the drink that people search for is keto pumpkin spice latte. I didn't know that you could do What do I know? Anyway, I just thought that is pumpkin spice latte back on the menu today. Big, 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 big news. Today is... National Beach Day. So again, juxtaposed between pumpkin spice latte and the arrival of fall, it is Beach Day, National Beach Day. National Toasted Marshmallow Day. What goes better with a pumpkin spice latte than a toasted marshmallow? Slinky Day today. It is the International Day of the Disappeared. It is Frankenstein Day today, which kind of surprises me. Frankenstein Day. I would think that that would be closer to Halloween But is that the, I'm guessing the birthday of Mary Shelley who wrote Frankenstein? Um, I'm guessing, I guess that would be, I don't know. I haven't looked it up, but it says Frankenstein Day, so we'll go with it. And National Grief Awareness Day today. So, observances of note. Uh, Let's see here. We have reached a milestone in American History in American culture here a new cal- a new Gallup poll finds that marijuana use in the u s has reached a record high, and for the first time, this is the tipping point here. More Americans say they have smoked marijuana in the previous week in this poll than said they had smoked cigarettes more people <laughs> more people uh smoking marijuana than smoking. Tobacco cigarettes there were sixteen percent of Americans in this poll who reported smoking marijuana up for tw- uh, from twelve percent last year and the highest percentage since Gallup started asking the question in 2013 Meanwhile eleven percent reported smoking cigarettes in the previous week and that's down from sixteen percent last year so five percent greater people number of people smoking marijuana than smoking tobacco um uh, And by the way, that 11% who have smoked cigarettes in the past week, uh, the lowest since Gallup started asking that question all the way back in 1944. Even though marijuana use has become uh, increasingly common, it says Americans are divided on the drug's effects on society. 49% in this poll believe it is positive. 50% say it's negative, so split almost right down the middle. More than two-thirds, 68%, believe marijuana should be legal, which it is now in 19 states, for recreational use. So make of that what I thought that was interesting. Definitely a uh, milestone in uh, pop culture. Here is the uh, latest California craziness. Are you ready for this? The state of California is now looking at creating a fast food council. This would be a fast food council with the ability to set pay for fast food workers. (laughs) The state is going to create a board that will set the pay for private fast food employers. A 10-member council composed of workers, employers, and government appointees would negotiate to set industry standards and... Uh, Required pay for any fast food chain with at least 100 locations nationwide. The Sacramento Bee reports that the state legislature is set to send the bill known as the FAST Act to Governor Gavin Newsom's desk. An analysis from UC Riverside said prices would go up 20% if the law passes. (laughs) No problem. This is a great time to raise prices by 20%. (laughs) Wasn't it California? Correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't it California uh, that was just running a bunch of advertisements talking about how we still believe in freedom in California? Well, (laughs) unless you run a business, in which case you have absolutely none whatsoever. Um. Boy, the uh, among those in opposition, surprise, surprise, the California Restaurant Association and the International Franchise, uh, International Franchise Association. They say the state already has strict worker protections and the bill creates unworkable standards for business owners and unaffordable prices for customers. Okay, Uh, we'll see what happens with this. But, uh, yeah, the California Fast Food Council, they're going to set pay rates for uh for fast food joints. No. <laughs> it's just the latest California nonsense. Man, we can go on and on and on about that. Uh this is kind of interesting stuff. A uh new survey commissioned by Certa Bedding. And uh it says here, while we're it has to do well I'll just read the story and then you can make of it what you will. It says, while we're all familiar with dating red flags, there is something you might be into in the bedroom that could have that could have you finding yourself single. Do you eat in bed? Do you snack in bed? According to this poll of Americans, again commissioned by CERTA Betting, uh thirty-five percent of respondents admitted to eating in bed and a third of them ironically consider it a dating deal breaker. If they find their partner eating in bed, while 35% of respondents admit to eating in bed themselves, a third of them ironically consider it a deal breaker. If the, if their partner uh, eats in bed, 38% of millennials said that they would end a relationship over sack time snack time as they put it even though that's the same demographic that was uh eating in bed the most by their own admission 40 percent of uh, millennials say that they eat in bed but they are also the highest number who said that they would end a relationship if uh, their significant other uh left crumbs in bed and I just thought that was kind of ironic. And how about this? Among the first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day, uh, this is definitely worth knowing. The only known Navy fighter pilot to shoot down both German and Japanese planes during World War II has passed away. And think about this. We're talking about two completely different theaters of the war in World War II, is the only known Navy fighter pilot to shoot down both German and Japanese planes during World War II. Dean Diz Laird was 101 years old when he passed away earlier this month. His daughter announced on Monday that her father had died at his home in the San Francisco Bay Area. He saw his first wartime action in 1943 when he shot down a German bomber, and a seaplane off the coast of Norway. After he was reassigned to the Pacific Theater in 1944, he shot down a number of Japanese aircraft. He also flew during the Korean and Vietnam Wars before retiring from the Navy in 1971 at the age of 50. Dean Diz Laird, 101 years old. May you rest in peace. True American hero. Pretty amazing. There you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your
1: Tuesday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchak. The Finley-Hancock County Community Foundation Board of Trustees has approved nearly $24,000 in grants in the mental health field. The grants will go to four local organizations, Cancer Patient Services, Family Resource Center, Welcome to a New Life, and Finley City Schools for various projects. The Community Foundation says the need for mental health services and support for those services continues to grow as the community works to overcome the effects of the opioid epidemic, COVID pandemic, inflation, and other adversities. The Ohio State Highway Patrol says one of its cruisers was hit by a pickup truck while the trooper was conducting a traffic stop. That's how it sounded as the truck hit the side of the cruiser on I-475 in Lucas County.
2: Truck continuing.
1: The trooper had to jump over the guardrail and suffered minor injuries to his hands and arms. You can see that dash cam video on the website. President Biden will be in central Ohio in a few weeks to witness the groundbreaking of Intel's new massive Ohio operation. That groundbreaking
3: is set for September 9th in Licking County. President Biden is expected to talk about
0: bringing more manufacturing back to U.S. soil.
1: and Yolanda Harris reporting that officials say Intel's operation near New Albany will create an entirely new business sector in Ohio and thousands of jobs. Ahead of Friday night's football game, Liberty Benton Local Schools dedicated its new athletic complex entryway. Superintendent Mark Kowalski speaking at the dedication. I feel very fortunate to be part of this great school community, and we have proved when we come together, we can accomplish anything as you guys can look around and see this beautiful campus we're going to have. Thank you very much. Thanks for coming out this evening. Go Eagles. The new entryway includes several donor walls and a memorial area to remember fallen Eagles video on the website. I'm Matt Demcheck with 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM.
0: Well, during the pandemic, we heard a lot about frontline workers, those that deal directly with the public. Of course, uh, there are the doctors and nurses, uh, a couple of examples, but it's far more likely uh, that those frontline workers will be in jobs like waiting tables and stocking store shelves. And uh, joining us this morning is Lorena Yee. She is a senior partner at McKinsey & Company, a global management consulting firm, with more on a report about the realities of those jobs and the lack of advancement opportunity in those jobs and the way it is hindering the american dream and lorena before we get into the meat of it i think one of the things let's lay one myth to rest right now that the lack of upward mobility that you see in those jobs is not due to a lack of work ethic or a lack of dedication to the job but it's it's not because uh they're lazy or they don't care that is not the case
2: Absolutely, that's not the case. In fact, one of the things we looked at, Chris, was the ambition level of frontline workers. And close to 80% of frontline workers of color told us that they want to advance. They want to get that promotion and they want to see a higher level of wages. But guess what? Here's the rub. Close to 80% of them desire that.
0: Less than 20% of them actually received a promotion in the last couple of years. Hmm. So is that really the the impetus for this report? I mean, talk a little bit about why this report is uh, so important and so timely. Well,
2: we wanted to look at the 112 million workers who are frontline workers. And that is 70% of the U.S. population. And so it's a very, very large amount. So in the first case, we just wanted to understand, Chris, what's going on? What is it like? And of course, underneath that, what we found is that lack of economic opportunity or economic mobility is another way of saying it to your first question. And what we also found is that if you are a person of color, if you're a worker of color in the front line, your wages are lower and your day-to-day experience is worse.
0: So what are the the challenges then? I mean, from the report, what do we we find? Why are those workers trapped in jobs uh, that are necessary uh, that we typically think of as entry-level or stepping stone type of positions, but not able to take those next steps? It's
2: a great question, Chris. And I think one of the things you just said is stepping stone. And what we find is often, and particularly for frontline workers of color, that sense of stepping stone is elusive. So right now, just to kind of put a couple of facts on the ground, 50% of those frontline workers make less than 30 a year. And to your point on is there a stepping stone, let's say one of those stepping stones is to actually go from being a frontline worker to being in corporate America, having one of those entry jobs, so going from being a person who works in a retail outlet to actually being someone in the corporate center. For that, only 4% of frontline workers actually make that jump. And less than 30% of frontline workers will see a significant change in their wages over the course of their career. And I say career because the vast majority of frontline workers are staying in those jobs over the course of their career. So things like promotion and wage increases, it
0: matters a lot. It sounds like the argument you're making here, the reason we want to shine a light on this is to say to companies, you've got some good workers here that would potentially be good candidates for positions higher up the ladder. It's time to reevaluate your relationship with those employees on the front line.
2: Absolutely. You have motivated workers. You have a lot of workers. And the question for corporate America is how do you create more opportunities? So how do you think about the underlying skills of different jobs and then say, okay, from there, how can we go from maybe being an hourly worker to being a salaried worker to being a manager or maybe even saying, what are some adjacent jobs? And that's just a fancy way of saying it's not the most obvious job in front of you, but actually the underlying skills are the same. So just take, for example, a lot of frontline workers spend a lot of time in customer service and they understand how to work with people in stressful moments, um, how to make sure that customer experience is really good. Well, there are a lot of jobs that use that basic skill. How do you take that and say, okay, here are some other opportunities? Or how do you invest in frontline workers so that they can get the skills and certification to qualify for even more meaningful jobs?
0: But w- there is also the challenge, and one of the things that I, th- I find really fascinating here is uh, there is also the challenge in the in that these frontline workers are also less likely to believe that diversity, equity, and inclusion policies that, that companies have or say they have – are effective they just don't buy it they're skeptical maybe a little cynical which comes from what i can only assume is their common experience
2: sure and this is why we do the research as well is to put some facts on the table we didn't know but when we asked we actually found out that to your point 20 percent um they're 20 percent less likely to feel that those DEI, those diversity and inclusion initiatives, are actually making a difference in their day-to-day lives Hmm. than the rest of workers in those companies. And so that's that kind of experience gap. They're not having, they're not seeing that those types of policies and programs are reaching them. In fact, actually, more alarmingly, um, more than 50% of them say that they worry that they can't take advantage of policies that already exist in their company, particularly around work-life balance. And we asked why. And the vast majority is that we're worried that it will have negative consequences on our jobs.
4: Mm.
2: So So, even the companies that offer things like part-time or leave, bereavement leave, frontline workers are saying, we worry if we take those. That might actually
0: endanger ourselves. So it kind of goes back to maybe some of that perception that we were talking about uh, at the outset. And so in in addition to, um, you know, a call to action for companies to take a, uh, you know, a a good hard look in the mirror, there's also uh, the issue of empowerment, self-empowerment, too. There's a message uh, for these frontline employees to empower themselves.
2: Well, the first thing I would say if you're a frontline worker is ask ask people in your company what's available. Ask them, ask your manager, ask the senior manager, what are the types of education opportunities, certification opportunities? What would be the next role? How, how do I demonstrate it? Give me some feedback. How can I do better in my, in my job? And so the first thing is within the company that you're at, find out, make sure you know what types of resources there are. If there's an affinity group, if there are different types of of, of uh, organizations that you can join within, find out. I think that's the first thing. And then the second thing is think about this as a career. So as you are thinking about your job today, dream a bit about what might be the type of skills and capabilities to get the next job and the next job. And for some frontline workers of color, they find that actually moving to companies is a strategy or just actually stating that ambition more clearly within their company. By the way, all of that is what a frontline worker can do, but at the same time, we also need companies to provide those opportunities and make the system much more, much more supportive and, and much more focused on the advancement of frontline
0: workers of color. Really interesting. Again, uh, as we said, during the pandemic, frontline workers grabbed all the headlines and uh, we realized just how important they are. Now it's important to sort of reward them uh, with the upper, upward mobility that they have uh, to this point really lacked uh, to move forward in those careers. Lorena Yee, again, senior partner at McKinsey & Company, we mentioned the report that you have on all of this. You have uh, more information about that on uh, online? Absolutely. You can
2: find it on our website um, and certainly take a look at our report itself.
0: Lorena, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. Well, as we mentioned, we're going to be uh, out at the uh, Hancock County Fair tomorrow, uh, Thursday and Friday morning, so we're getting all of our other business out of the way before we head to the fair. Sarah Sisser is with us from the uh, Hancock Historical Museum, and uh, you've got uh, another brown bag lunch coming up on Thursday, so we want to talk about that first and foremost.
3: We do. Kicking off a really busy month for us at the Hancock Historical Museum. (laughs) Yeah, Thursday is our monthly brown bag lecture, and we'll have Dr. Andrew Harshberger with us. He's a professor of art history at Bowling Green State University okay um, he really specializes in the history of photography and so he's going to be uh, speaking with us about Dorothea Lang and her really iconic um, depression era photography so I'm sure um, if you don't know the name of Dorothea Lang you you know her images if you see them they're those I really iconic portraits um, black and white, and just uh, just really beautiful and, and touching. So mm-hmm. um, he's going to talk with us a little bit more about that. And the lecture is just $3 if you're not a member of the Hancock Historical Museum, free for members. Starts at noon. We always encourage you to come a little bit earlier to get a good seat. And we look forward to seeing a good crowd.
0: Bring your brown bag lunch with you and uh, enjoy a really fascinating program.
3: Yes, nice way to
0: spend the lunch hour. There you go. Uh, So that is Thursday. Uh, Also, talking about ongoing uh, programs, have another uh, classic movie night coming up? We do. That'll be
3: on the 16th of the month. It's typically the third Friday of the month. It's free and open to the public. Starts at 7 p.m. And this month's movie is Adam's Rib. So we provide the popcorn and some good refreshments as well as some good historical context for the film and it's a nice way to spend the evening, a good date night or a night with friends, it's BYOB and uh, just learn a little bit of something
0: new. That is an awesome movie. So uh, definitely will not not want to miss that one uh, coming up later in the month. So uh, what else might be going on in the month of September?
3: (laughs) Well, we have our historic (laughs) barn tour, just a few things going on this month. We have our historic barn tour on September 10th. Um, And this is a biennial event for us every other year. Um, But of course, COVID threw us off a little bit. So our last barn tour was in 2019. Mm -hmm. And this event has won several state honors for being one of the best preservation programs in the state, one of the best programs to promote cultural heritage tourism in the state. Um, We will highlight six historic barns on the western half of Hancock County. And there's something going on at each one of those barns too. It's a great way to just just spend a day out in the county, in the country. Mm-hmm. We have some local vendors, some food trucks, some live music, um, a little of something for everyone. And you also learn quite a bit about the history of each one of those barns. We do a lot of research on the ownership history and how they were constructed. And um, it's just, people are so fascinated by that history. I love those old timber frame structures. Yeah,
0: and and we've talked about this before. I mean, we often think of the stories that old homes, uh, historic homes can tell, and they certainly can, but the barns have their own stories to tell. They
3: do. Each one's really unique and tells a a unique story about that family, about that farm. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I encourage people to really just learn more about Hancock County by going, uh, taking part in this tour. You can buy your tickets pre-sale for $10. It is free for children 16 and under. We love to see the kids out there learning a little bit more about life on the farm. Mm -hmm. And um, you can also buy tickets the day of the tour, but then it's $15, and you can buy them at any one of the six barns the day of the tour.
0: And all of these are still working barns in some way, shape, or form?
3: Yeah, so um, some have been preserved or restored and are just being stewarded. Maybe they're used for storage or for a workshop. Mm-hmm. Some are still very functional farms, you know, on working farms right. with um, livestock in them. So a, a little bit of something yeah. uh, different in each one of the I, barns. I know,
0: you know, some barns are uh, converted for other uses, event venues and and so on. Right. And and so just all kinds of, of things that they're being used for now uh, but again, the, the stories are just uh, tremendous. And how often do the owners find out a little something that they didn't know? Yes, almost uh, every uh, year, that's yeah. the
3: case. We're able to tell them a little something new about mm-hmm. the lineage of that property. That's and. cool. Um, Also, we bring in some great timber framing experts to help us decipher sort of the dates of the barns and how they were constructed. And that's Mm. really interesting information for those barn owners as well. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So uh, again, an event not to be missed. It is a really cool historic uh, event. Learn more about those uh, barns that we see every day when we drive by them. So uh, definitely something to check out. And then what else is going on (laughs) in the month of September? Drumroll,
3: please. Yes, we have our, our largest fundraiser of the year and one of the largest events in our region. Uh, Octoberfest Finley is on September 24th, and that's downtown on Main Street once again. We have three full city blocks on Main Street from Main Cross to Hardin Street. And um, as I mentioned, this has become one of the largest events yeah. really in... In
0: Northwest Ohio, how, single day. How many years is this now? For uh, this
3: is our October, eighth, um, eighth October
0: year. Fest. So eight years ago, when you were getting ready for the first one, can you imagine have imagined how big this would become?
3: Well, you know, the museum took over the event. I think in year three, so it yeah. was really an initiative of a small group of folks that wanted to bring something like this to the community. Mm-hmm. And I'm certain that that original committee could not have imagined how large this would grow. Yeah. And as the as a museum, you know, we're just really grateful to the community for supporting this event. It's mm-hmm. a wonderful fundraiser for us. It's a fun day. Um, It's very family friendly. We have a great children's area in Dorney Plaza set up from two to seven that day with a ton of participation from local nonprofit organizations, good activities for the kids, great live music, polka music, some of the best polka artists really in the country join us that day. Um, There's room to dance and and enjoy that music. Great food, good food vendors, authentic German food. Schmidt Sausage of course is Mm -hmm. one of everyone's favorites. Um, They'll be with us again. And of course, a lot of beer, a lot of good beer, local beer. Finley Brewing Company is our official beer of Oktoberfest, Finley some good microbreweries, and then a lot of domestic and German import beers as well.
0: So uh, give us all of the particulars on this, uh, because again, it is the big event. Certainly uh, the big event as we head into fall here locally. So uh, what do folks need to know?
3: So we start at two o'clock uh, on the 24th and um, we'll go until 1030 okay. that evening. It is $5 at the gates for um, everyone 21 and over, $3 for 21 and un- or for under 21. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, as I mentioned, very family-friendly event, lots of children's activities uh, to partake in. And um, we are on Main Street from Main Cross to Hardin Street. Okay. Uh, so parking, you know, available throughout downtown, but do keep in mind that uh, that those three blocks yeah. of main street will be closed.
0: Um, now I know the last time we had you here, you were still looking for volunteers. Have you got enough lined up or can you can, we always need more? more. We always okay. need
3: more. It takes about 200 volunteers to pull off an event like this. And we've got some great participation from the community. A lot of volunteers signed up, but we do need a few more, especially for those later shifts in the evening. Okay. So if you go to octoberfestfinley.com we have an online sign up for volunteers. If you volunteer, you get a free t-shirt, free admission. And for our late, our last shift volunteers, you also get a $5 voucher to use at any downtown business awesome. um, that participates in the downtown dollars.
0: Uh And by the way, as you mentioned, it's your largest fundraiser. Uh, talk about the what, what those funds are then earmarked for and how that uh, benefits the museum.
3: Sure. Well, a lot of folks don't realize that our museum is entirely privately funded. So we mm-hmm. don't receive any county uh, or city tax dollars right. to help uh, fund our operations. We reach about 25,000 people annually with our program, including more than 4,000 Hancock County school children. So all of that programming is something that our community, our donors uh, are underwriting. Um, So, this kind of a fundraiser is really important for us to be able to keep the doors open, to be able to keep programming available um, to the youth in our community, as well as all ages that partake in and enjoy the programming that we offer at the museum.
0: So, for all of the uh, happenings, the regular happenings uh, at the museum, obviously, you've got those up on your website. We do, uh, HancockHistoricalMuseum.org. Including the the, uh, barn tour, so you can get your tickets tickets online. You can. Okay, and uh, then for Oktoberfest, you've got your own special website. We do. It warrants his own website.
3: (laughs) It is Oktoberfestfindley.com, Oktoberfest spelled with a K. Mm. And uh, again, you can do uh, online sign up for volunteers there. You can see the full lineup, the whole schedule for the day, including the polka artists that we have that are coming um, and the vendors, food vendors that
0: we have. Very good. Looking forward to all of it. Again, uh, Sarah Sisser with us from the Hancock Historical Museum. Sarah, thanks very much for the update. Thank you, Chris. Well, of course, with Labor Day weekend coming up, that is the traditional sayonara to summer and uh, the unofficial welcoming of the fall season. And so let's talk September events and programs now. Michelle Rumschlag, the Hancock Park District, is with us. You still have a little bit of summer left. You can still, you know. We do.
5: I mean, and technically it's three weeks. Right. Of summer. By and the, so camera, yeah, we've but, got, you know, a few programs happening here at the end of August. So um tonight and into tomorrow there's a couple things. Mm-hmm. And then even through right coming up this weekend. So Zonta
0: Landing is still open. Yeah,
5: Zonta Landing. It's our last weekend for regular rentals. Mm-hmm. So and then we're open Labor Day too. So we say weekends and holidays, and that's at one holiday. So Saturday, Sunday, Monday, open at one, last rental at six thirty. Remember, cash or check. So, Mm -hmm. if you need to get that last pedal boat ride in for the summer, Mm -hmm. um, I think the weather's supposed to be better. It was a little warm the last couple of days. Yeah, it's going to be very
0: nice. So, So. you
5: know, um, I know there's a lot going on with the fair and, of course... Football way, and stuff, there's just, uh, yeah. You're at the fair, right? We have a booth at the fair. I'm hoping to be at the fair tomorrow morning at some point. Yeah, I, have, yeah. I have a commitment in the morning, but we do have, we're in the act tent. It's the tent with the the fish tank mm-hmm. that Division of Fisheries brings out. So yeah. um, we'll have um, park information there, not to take with you because without people manning it, you know, we don't want maps and stuff right. everywhere. But we've got our S- September calendar will be there, information on our homeschool program, the, the fall float trips. So stuff will be out there to kind of see. Yeah.
0: So stop by and uh, say hello, just as a kind of a sidebar uh, yes. with all of that. You mentioned the fall float trips. That's uh, one of the big things coming up.
5: Yes. So that happens after we officially close our summer season. It's on to landing. And in the past, we've done Saturdays and Sundays every weekend, the weekend after Labor Day through November. Well, this year it's a little bit different. We're only going to do select weekends. So we have a weekend in September, which actually happens to be the 17th and 18th. We have two weekends in October, and then the last one is the first weekend in November. And so that's just a little different. Everything else is the same. You have to register ahead of time. Um, go to the website, HancockParks.com, and you have to register by 1 o'clock that Friday before, Saturday or Sunday. Okay. And this is a self-guided fall float trip, 1 o'clock, go upriver, come back by 3, Um, we take a maximum of 12 people, so that can be single kayaks or double occupancy with a canoe, and then it's only for adults, so, um, we just need you to register ahead of time, so if there's only one of you, we will go out, you know, worry about, there's no minimum, Mm. if somebody wants, you know, just a single kayak, we'll do it, but just know, you know, um, we'll take up to 12, right, and so, um.
0: It's a great way to see, uh, you know, the- autumn season arriving from a different perspective. Right, right. Yeah. So, you know,
5: probably more October and early November we'll mm. have, you know, but even not, there are some things changing. I have noticed, noticed that.
0: Yeah, I've noticed yes. that in my backyard. The I've green the
5: that. green isn't as intense and I've seen some yellow leaves mm-hmm. on a few things or yeah. it's getting kind of that liming green so you can tell some stuff. And when the
0: air gets a little crisper, you I, I start to feel. I was walking to
5: Oakwoods yesterday afternoon and I was walking the boardwalk so from the Discovery Center to the front parking lot and I had the fall leaf smoke. <laughs> i even announced it to my two boys i was walking with i was like oh do you smell that and i don't think they appreciate it like i did but it's starting to right the angle of the sun's a little bit different right. we're getting less amount of daylight it's getting darker earlier so fall is definitely creeping in and yeah. we'll be here um yeah in the next in the next couple of weeks
0: and uh what else is going on in the month of september that uh, folks should know about here
5: well, we also have, uh, we've done some family fishing programs throughout the summer, and we've got one more happening um, in September, and that's going to take place on on Tuesday, September 6th, and that will be out at the Lakefront Activity Center there at Riverbend at Gertz Lake, 630 to 730. Um, this is for families with children ages 5 and up. Uh, no cost, we just want you to register by that afternoon, so we know we've got people coming out. Uh, we'll have some, some bait for you, some like corn and hot dogs and things um and then we'll just be you know if you need to learn how to cast or need some basic you know fishing information we'll be there to to get that for you um but if you've missed in the summer if you've been coming out um a great chance for the family you know school will just be kind of getting started Mm -hmm. and you know maybe one last kind of yeah you know some hurrah so again tuesday september sixth, okay um family fishing will be happening
0: Alrighty, uh, anything else to uh, highlight in the month of September?
5: Um, Something happening out at the McInnes house um, on Saturday, September 10th. It's called sawing in the past. And so this is going to be talking about the different saws that were used back in the 1840s. So, I mean, we have different saws today, but think of like the two-man saw to cut trees and different things like that. Um, And so this is going to be, again, out at the house and in the workshop. It's from 2 to 4. Um, all ages are welcome. There's no registration. So it's kind of like an open house. You mm-hmm. can pop in and see what's going on. And if you are 10 and up, you'll have the opportunity to either use the buck saw or the two-man saw to cut your own little wood cookie and take home. Aha. <laughs> uh-huh. So. All right. But you need to be old enough to do that. Um, I mean, how many chances do you have to use the two-man saw sure. these days yeah. to cut your own little piece of wood? So that'll be taking place again on Saturday, September 10th from 2 to 4. Um, out at Litzenberg Memorial. Woods. And
0: I would imagine this time of year, that's uh, what they would be doing. Uh, you know, getting ready for winter and cutting Right, they would be cutting, and...
5: right, having the firewood. So remember, right, they, you know, in our house, we have the cook stove and the fireplace. Right. And so I think yeah. it would be something that they would probably be doing, you know, watching as trees fell, maybe during the summer mm-hmm. with storms. Yeah. And depending on the wood, do you need to dry the wood? Because some mm-hmm. things you can't burn right away. Right, Some things right. you can, you know, is, is enough stored. And then, of course, getting into... You know, it's harvest season, too, if would have been for them. Sure. So, I mean, of right. course, there's lots, I mean, as a pioneer. And making
0: you know. some of those uh, repairs to uh, the house or the shed or the storage. Right, and it, then before also get, winter sets getting ready for winter, right. Yeah. So
5: definitely was, I don't think there was a down season, maybe during winter, <laughs> dead winter, maybe. It was maybe, very, very you know, busy this time of year. It, it was just, right, kind of getting ready the for pioneers. for everything and keeping things, you know. Yep
0: secure absolutely on the
5: homestead so
0: okay so uh some of the uh, highlights from the uh, september program schedule of events and all of that uh, is posted on your website right yes on the-
5: Hancock- <clears throat> hancockparks.com you can get all things september listed on there
0: okay and uh we'll also mention uh because we've got a, a couple of extra minutes here and it's worth uh, mentioning uh if you have a gathering uh that you are planning you can still uh Uh, reserve uh, shelter houses and things like that. Yes. uh, So, I mean, you
5: could always, you know, I always tell people, you know, we want you to go to program activities and like that, but you can Mm -hmm. check facility, you know, availability also on the website. Mm -hmm. So click on that tab and then, you know, you'll kind of search it by um, what shelter or facility you're looking for. And then you can see it's something available here for the fall. And of course we rent year to date. So if you've got something next summer that you want at Riverbend, Now is the time to do that because obviously there's certain shelters that are more popular than others
0: Mm
5: -hmm. and even just all the shelters. I mean, there's rarely a time, again, that's not my area, but people will call and I, you know, might have to talk to them that there's not, you know, they want a certain weekend in June. There's nothing available.
0: Yeah. So now is a good time to look ahead uh, to that. Certainly, if you've got right. something coming up in the fall, but even again looking ahead to, as you said, next summer. Right, next summer. So
5: if so. you've got, you know, I know some of them are getting into their you know, your senior season. So if you want mm-hmm. graduation, graduation parties, parties or something right. with the shelter, I know the activity barn at Litzenberg is really popular for that kind of activity now is the time to to get online and to reserve that.
0: Okay, so uh, put that uh, bug in your ear as well. Uh, we've got the link up to the Hancock Park District website at our webpage, goodmornings.net. And again, Michelle Rumschlag of the Hancock Park District with us this morning. Thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. You're listening to
4: Good Mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN,
6: WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert.
0: Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. A cop in Harrison County, Indiana, is now facing federal charges for allegedly impersonating a police officer. <laughs> now, how can that be, you say? He's- A sheriff's deputy in Harrison County, Indiana, facing felony charges for allegedly posing as a police officer in New Albany, Indiana. Uh, So this is how how does a cop get charged with impersonating a cop? Um, Apparently an email that uh, in an email that claimed officer misconduct Uh, which had a new Albany police officer listed as the sender allegedly claimed that they had reported allegations of misconduct in their department, but the issues were being ignored. Indiana police began investigating the allegations about the department and contacted the new Albany police officer listed as the sender who told them that he had no knowledge of such communication being sent. That opened an investigation into identity deception which led to the arrest of 37-year-old Officer Ralph Weaver, the Harrison County, Indiana Sheriff's Office. <laughs> Weaver is currently a deputy in Harrison County. He previously worked for the New Albany Police Department, but does not any longer. And according to court documents, not all, not long after the email was sent, uh, I would assume former Deputy Weaver... Called an officer with the Indiana State Police and asked him if he had heard about uh, the email when an officer told uh, Deputy Weaver he was under investigation for identity deception and impersonating a police officer. He allegedly asked if there could be a crime of impersonating a police officer if a police officer was the one who sent the email. Uh, And apparently the answer is yes. (laughs) If you are a cop, you can still be charged with impersonating a cop (laughs) for it. ...for an agency you don't work for. I guess that does make sense when you think about it. Uh, again, the now former uh, Deputy Weaver, I would assume... It, I've got to think that he's probably on leave, at least... ...has been charged with identity deception and obstruction of justice. <laughs> All kinds of trouble there. Just bizarre. Something you don't uh, hear about every single day. I guess. Elsewhere in the broken news... Uh, this is an example of why you should not believe everything you read on the Internet. Officers, the Greater Manchester Police arrested a drunk driver who uh, tried to get out of a ticket by apparently he blew through a red light right in front of officers on Saturday night. He was pulled over and before being given a breathalyzer test, he shoved a load of coins into his mouth. Apparently, that is a thing on the internet that claims that if you put a bunch of coins in your mouth, it'll uh, mess up the uh, results and, and you will not blow uh, above the legal limit on the uh, breathalyzer. Um, <laughs> it did not work. Uh, the uh, man blew over the legal limit. Uh, the uh, Greater Manchester Police posted on Facebook don't believe all you read on the internet, guys. <laughs> Guess what? Didn't work. So it is uh It's one of the more bizarre things though people have tried to do to get out of uh get out of a charge. Uh let's see. Do you remember a um, we got a, a follow-up in the uh, broken news. Do you remember the uh, man in New Jersey who claimed I think we had this uh, story uh, a couple of months ago. A man in New Jersey who claimed to be an NFL player so that he could order a Super Bowl ring that he claimed was a gift for quarterback Tom Brady's child. You remember this story? Guy claimed to be an NFL player so that he could order a Super Bowl ring, ostensibly, for the child of Tom Brady, like Tom Brady couldn't afford to buy his own kids (laughs) Super Bowl rings if he If he really wanted to. Well, now this guy is going to prison. Scott Spina Jr. was sentenced to three years in jail. Uh, Earlier this week, the 25-year-old sold the rings to an auction house for $100,000 back in 2017. The U.S. Attorney's Office in Los Angeles said he pleaded guilty to mail fraud, wire fraud, and aggravated identity theft. So all kinds of trouble there. Again, don't do that, guys. May file that under the category of seemed like a good idea at the time. But it's not. Uh, let's see here. This is... Yeah, Let's skip that. Not really that great. How about this? <laughs> An Alabama deputy found a goat in his patrol car the other day. And, you know, as you know, goats will eat anything. And uh, apparently this goat was munching down on various official documents. <laughs> According to the Madison County Sheriff's Office, uh, Deputy Casey Thrower was delivering legal documents to a third party when the incident occurred. Uh, as one goat ate the police paperwork, another climbed onto the hood of the car. <laughs> the deputy explained... That due to the number of homes he visits daily, on occasion, he leaves the vehicle door open because he's had to retreat from being attacked by canines in the past. You know, stop at somebody's house and the dog comes running out, and he'll have to jump back in the car. So he will leave the door door open. Problem is, uh, that leaves the door open to <clears throat> curious and hungry goats. <laughs> Sometimes you just can't you can't win for losing there. I mean. Darned if you do, darned if you don't. The officer was able to shoo the animals away, no word on the uh, implications of the <laughs> legal documents that have been eaten by the goats. <laughs> got some splaining to do. Well, <laughs> well, sheriff, you see, there were there was a goat that got in the car. Used like an episode out of out of Andy Griffith show. <laughs> Something you'd see in Mayberry. Done. Notch, there was a goat in the car. Uh, police in Salt Lake City say a man was arrested on Monday after blowing through a school zone. Now, school zone, you think 20 miles an hour is your speed limit, right? And it's certainly not uncommon for people to be cited for speeding in a school zone uh, because, you know, 20 miles an hour. If you've ever gone through a school zone, man, it just seems like you're crawling And I understand that, but uh, this uh, individual was clocked in a school zone at more than 100 miles an hour. Wow. He is then accused of leading officers on a brief chase before striking a patrol car and crashing. Authorities say they found the 44-year-old unnamed individual in possession of illegal narcotics. Surprise, surprise. 100 miles an hour in the school zone. That will get you noticed. And finally, in the uh, broken news this morning, how about this? The San Francisco Fire Department is down one ambulance after two paramedics were attacked on Monday. This is a weird story. A spokesperson for the fire department says uh, the uh, paramedics were inside their parked ambulance minding their own business when a man in his 40s started yelling at them and smashing their windows with a metal pipe or a metal bar. It was like a stake, like one that you you know, a stake that you drive into the ground to, well, it was a tree stake is what they described it as. The one, you know, you've seen those that hold up trees, uh, little saplings and so on. <laughs> Using a a metal tree stake to smash the windows of the ambulance. Um, The uh, two... Uh, paramedics are said to have been shaken up, but otherwise okay. However, the ambulance is out of service due to thousands do- thousands of dollars in damage. The suspect ran away and uh, is not in custody as of the uh, latest report, and no idea what set him off. <laughs> He's just mad at the ambulance, apparently. I don't know. There you go. Thankfully, everybody okay, but. That is today's Broken News Report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming.
1: Hello, I'm Jerry Stewart. If you're like me, you find yourself looking, searching for the America you once knew. Now, where do we look? Join me on this station for my special Labor Day program, Finding America. It's my all-new program. Please join me. Labor Day at
4: 11 a.m. on 1330 WFIN, WFIN WFIN.com and 95.5 FM.
0: Time now for your daily download, the numbers behind the news, and the statistics that shape our lives. Americans, it seems, have a uh, more of a me first attitude or a treat yourself mindset since the start of the pandemic. This is a new one poll survey of U.S. adults finds that 64 percent are living more in the moment these days and 74 percent say they are more focused on the future than they were before the pandemic. You know, we talk about all of the ways in which the pandemic has really impacted us, uh, impacted our lives, uh, the way we work, the way, you know, students go to school, the way students learn, and, you know, all of these things, uh, Some, in some ways, would go back to normal. But in other ways, uh, this may have, uh, have changed us. And psychologically, it appears, at least in the short term, We seem to be more focused on ourselves. 64% say we are living more in the moment. 74% say we are focused on the future more so than we were the pandemic. Of those in the survey, 62% say that they treat themselves more now, doing so an average of six times a month. We just take set time aside to treat ourselves, to do something just for us. Because you never know. I think that was the the thing that we learned in the uh, pandemic. You just never know. Two-thirds, 66% in the survey, say they are more likely to treat themselves during the week now rather than waiting for the weekend. Uh, They say it seems more special when you treat yourself during the week than it does on the weekend. Hmm. Topping the list of the ways that people treat themselves are uh going out to eat uh food just in general some something having to do with food maybe making a special dinner or going out to eat or what have you 43% cited food uh new clothing uh you look good you feel good 35% treat themselves to new clothing and uh, 31% say that they focus on experiences, doing something new or doing something that you particularly enjoy that maybe you just don't do enough of experiences cited by 31% as ways as one way that they treat themselves. Other things that were cited as indulgences, uh, indulging uh, in their favorite wine, 26% say that they will indulge in their, their favorite wine and uh, 25% Uh, responded just uh, with a general enjoying me time, 25%. Just enjoy some me time. I think that's what uh, all of it is about, just enjoying a little me time. Something to think about uh, in the wake of the pandemic, uh, the way we have a mindset of treating ourselves more so today than we used to. And that, I don't think, is necessarily a bad thing. I mean, you can have too much of a bad thing, to be sure, but, uh, you know, taking some time to focus on ourselves, how many times psychologists have said over the years, we need to do more of that, it is good for our mental health to do that, and now it seems that uh, we have taken that to heart labor day weekend coming up and in hancock county that can mean only one thing it's time once again for the hancock county fair opens tomorrow and we will be there tomorrow morning thursday morning friday morning originating this program from the fair and in case you missed it last week Hancock County Fair President Jeff Cole and Events Manager Haley Reese dropped by the studio to give us a preview of what is new for 2022 at the fair. Most people already know, they may have already heard, in the entertainment category, the Demolition Derby has been moved. It's normally been in the past sort of like the grand finale of the entertainment Uh, at at the fair and that's been moved to Saturday evening
6: Saturday night has been rodeo for several years and then uh, the last couple years we've tried uh, a concert Mm -hmm. and so uh, this year the the move was to try the demolition derby on Saturday evening and uh, mix things up so we'll see how that goes um, I'm sure the demo crowd will come out no matter when we have oh, it. So it'll, it'll be great. It'll be a great time under the lights this year. Yeah.
0: So, so that'll be cool. You mentioned the concert that has uh, been held uh, in the past some years. Eliminating that doesn't mean that there won't be any, uh, any music. You have uh, something called Dinner and a Show at the uh, <laughs> mini park.
4: Yes. We will have bands playing there throughout the day. It'll be free, so grab
6: your fair food
4: and come on over and watch the bands play. Luke
6: Roush, which uh, is a local uh, guy that uh, most everybody knows. We've got Hunter Hoop coming in on Saturday evening. And then a uh, uh, on Sunday evening will be uh which is a young group coming out of Upper Sandusky. Uh, and they do a mix of music from uh, the 70s fun. and yeah. after that, and that'll so be real fun. Yeah, eclectic, very dinner, eclectic group. dinner and yeah, the yeah. show.
0: I like the idea there. And yeah. and aside from that, you've got a lot of the other popular stuff uh, coming at the band show. The donkey races are back. Yeah. So uh, although there's some changes,
6: it's mostly the same. Yeah. Like you said, band shows Wednesday night, donkey races Wednesday night, calf scramble Thursday night, mm-hmm. um, and um, and then Sunday is the tractor pulls. Mm-hmm. Saturday night is um, I know I'm jumping around on the days. Yeah. Is the horse pulls, which is always a
0: Yeah, a couple of uh, things with respect to uh, ticketing for the fair this year.
6: Tickets are uh, available online now, and we would encourage you to buy your tickets now, Mm -hmm. online, ahead of time, before you get to the gate. If you've got your ticket bought ahead of time, you'll be able to walk through the gate almost without uh, slowing down. Tickets are the same price, whether you buy them online or at the gate. Mm -hmm. And uh, those tickets uh, fees are going to be um, $10 adult admission. $5 for youth. That's for youth that are 10 and 17. So that's a change from last year. Right. It it had for years been 16 and under with an adult. Now if you're 10 to 17, you get in for $5. Kids 9 and under will get in for you with an adult. Okay. And um, the other change is you cannot buy a season ticket at the gate. Need Uh, to get those You'll need to get those online ahead of time if you want a season ticket.
0: And there are a couple of specials.
4: Yes. Thursday is in by 3. You get in for free. So, again, in by 3 p.m., you're in for free. And Friday is in by
6: 5 for $5. Okay. You cannot just walk up to the gate and walk in. Okay. You've got to have that ticket that you've got online. So,
0: even though it's a free admission, there is a ticket involved. You need to get that uh, That online in advance. Now, keeping in mind, you can actually get them online in advance like... Uh, when you park and get out of your car Absolutely. on your mobile device. That's so. right.
6: That's right. Do <laughs> I mean, you need help, come to the gate. We can yeah. help you at the gate, but you'll need to get those online.
0: And uh, with respect to the gates, there are a couple of gates where there's no cash. Yes, so. that's right,
6: Chris. So that change is, um, is, a, is one that we want to make sure everyone is aware of. So we will still have two cash gate a- admission from mm-hmm. our south uh, parking lot that's where 90% of the fairgoers come to the fair anyway mm-hmm. so there won't be uh, any disruption for those folks but anybody who has traditionally came in the wyandot gate Wandat uh-huh. Street Gate or the Sandusky Street Gate, where they can walk in. Okay. Uh, there will be no cash there, so you will need your ticket ahead of time, or you can purchase a ticket with a card at those gates. Okay. But no cash.
0: So make note of uh, of that. Uh, speaking of gates, there was something else that we wanted to mention. The uh, apparently the the Sandusky Gate. Uh, there's a slight move. Some, yeah, some slight something move. different there. So, explain what that will be. Well, so, so the,
6: the um, Sandusky Gate will be out near the street at the northeast corner of the property. Okay. And that will be the walk-in gate. You can pull across the front of the property there, drop people off, pick people up, and then proceed back onto Sandusky Street. But those of uh, anyone, because sometimes folks park over at the Masonic Temple there and walk over to Sandusky, you can still get in at the Sandusky Gate, but not at our main entrance, but at our exit entrance.
0: Oh, okay. All right. So uh, make note of of those. Correct. Correct. Other stuff that is new, new ride company on the Midway?
4: Yes, we are using Michael's Amusements from North Carolina. We are so excited to work from them, and we will be running a special on that. $25 wristband on Thursday is a BOGO special, so... $25 Twenty-five dollars on Thursday Bogo special.
0: So Thursday is a great day. Yeah, I mean, it's gonna be a hot day. day at the fair. Yeah, I mean Thursday uh, again with the uh, in by three again in free. You've got the Bogo on the uh, on the rides. That is a, a great uh, great day for families. So definitely a day to circle uh, on the uh, calendar and a
6: great day to come to the fair and get your food for lunch too. All the folks that are working in town, come on down. Absolutely.
0: Uh, what are some of the other things that people need to know? And again, I wanted to 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 highlight some of the things that were new and uh, a lot of things to talk about there, but what are some of the other uh, highlights that we need to uh, make sure that people are aware of?
6: So (laughs) this year, uh, we're excited that we're going to be giving out a couple of scholarships. It's the first time that uh, the Hancock County Ag Society has given out scholarships, so we're going to announce those winners. We've gone through the application process and the evaluation process, and we're going to announce those uh, recipients at the opening ceremonies on Tuesday evening. So uh, we're excited about that, something new, something we're committed to, to get back Back to the youth
4: did want to point out in regards to the rides too on wednesday thursday and friday the rides open at 3 p.m so you can come Got out then and on saturday sunday and monday rides open at two o'clock
0: yeah. some of our uh, conversation with uh, hancock county fair president jeff cole and events manager Haley reese preview of what is new for 2022 at the hancock county fair which opens tomorrow and we've got the link up at our webpage. Go to goodmornings.net for more information. And that will finish up our podcast. All of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. That, of course, is goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow, we'll be on location for opening day of the Hancock County Fair. Always an exciting time. Until tomorrow morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.